Can anybody hear me? Or am I talking to myself? My mind is running empty In this search for someone else Who doesn't look right through me It's all just static in my head Can anybody tell me why? I'm lonely like a satellite Cause tonight What's up, buddy? Welcome to the AJ Bucon Podcast. This is part one of a two-part podcast entitled Programmed to Shut Down and Shut Out. In these two episodes, I'm going to do a little something different and not base my podcast on a recent blog post. I'm going to go in a different direction and I want to talk about technology and social media. Something that all of us have in our lives. But do we really understand the long-term impacts of it? So, uh, let's get this started. All right, so last week on my second episode, I told you that I wanted to begin each episode with a different song that would hopefully capture the spirit of the topic or topics that I was exploring in uh, this particular podcast. This week's no different. I kind of liked doing that. So the the song that I chose to uh, go with this week's podcast, which is focusing on technology and social media, uh, is a song from 2011 by a group called Simple Plan. Uh, The name of the song is Astronaut. It's from uh, their CD called Get Your Heart On. I'm going to be honest, I never heard of this song until I started looking around for different kinds of uh, music that were were capturing how I was feeling about uh, this particular topic, which has kind of been on my mind for a while. Uh, It's an interesting interesting song. I played a little bit for you here at the opening. And to me, the, the person who is speaking in the, at the beginning of this song, uh, is crying out for people. Um, can anybody hear me or am I talking to myself? It makes me wonder a little bit about who this person is, uh, what kind of world in which this person is living to be so isolated, to be wondering if anyone can hear him or um, possibly hear what, what he is saying to himself. Talks a lot about a disconnect, um, um, his mind running on empty and searching for someone in this world who doesn't look through him. And it makes you wonder, you know, how do people look through each other nowadays? Is it passing on the street? Is it walking down the hallway? Is it 
in an office? Is it on social media? Is the person that we're projecting someone that people can see? And even if it is someone that people can see, why aren't they really seeing us? Why aren't they hearing us talking? Um, this person talks about having static in the head and why he feels as if he's a satellite. And I think it's important that, that we kind of think about what a satellite is. Um, it's a, a piece of technology that's used for communication, uh, for disseminating information, and it's in outer space. So it's extremely isolated. The thing with the satellite is it's constantly sending information, but does the satellite really know whether or not anybody's receiving it? Um, the person in the chorus talks about this tiny box. And to me, when we're sending out an SOS through a tiny box, you know, the first thing that comes to my mind when I heard the song is that it's a cell phone. I don't know of anyone who really doesn't have a cell phone. It's become, cell phones have become a, a part of who we are as a society, who we are as individuals. And if you don't have one, many people feel as if you cannot uh, communicate effectively with the world around you. But the problem with that is, is that maybe we're not, even though we have cell phones, we aren't really connecting with people around us anymore. And so, you know, to me, that was why I wanted to start with this song. It's a, it's an interesting song. Uh, later on, you know, the person talks about aborting the mission and how everything is weighing down on him. And I think we need to really take a close look at what's going on with technology, uh, what's going on with social media, how is it weighing people down, how is it not necessarily achieving all the great things that it is supposed to be achieving and whether or not it's actually a detriment to us sometimes uh, in different situations. So the first thing that I'm going to explore with you is a little bit about what goes on in schools regarding technology. So uh, as a teacher of nearly 30 years, I spent 21 years of my life in Wilson, North Carolina, teaching at Ralph L. Fike High School before I returned to Wheeling, West Virginia to teach at my alma mater, the Central Catholic High School. During that time, I really I was kind of at the front seat of the change in the nature of schools in regards to technology. Back in 1991, when I moved to North Carolina and began teaching at Fike High School, we did not have the kind of technology that is prevalent today. Most, I don't think any students had cell phones. They were, any kind of uh, mobile device was large and bulky and had a, a battery that, that died very quickly. So it wasn't something that was uh, used quite a bit. We did have a computer lab, but we really resorted to using the chalkboard and the books that we had there. And it was that traditional way of teaching. And 
Yes, we did research papers and yes, we did go to labs, but it was for uh, typing, uh, being able to put things on a Microsoft Word document. Eventually, as time uh, continued to go on, we added more labs, labs that were wired to the internet, labs that would enable students to uh, do some some bit of research um, on the wa- on the world wide web, um, but still, you know, it, within the classroom, it wasn't really uh, available. We had to sign up for labs and and go down there, uh, and it was tough in a school of over a thousand students to schedule lab time. Eventually, we ended up getting some portable laptop carts, which could be moved around the school. Um, two of them. Which, you know, in this day and age, how how is that possible? And it is. It's what we did. Um, we had the smart, we eventually added smart boards and um, they were used uh, much as they are today. Uh, I find sometimes that we use smart boards primarily as projection screens. I'm always trying to find ways of an, of using them and enhancing the learning, but it, it's always a challenge and it's it's tough to find out, find enough time to do that. So came to, to Central in the, my first year here is very similar to what was going on in North Carolina. We had one really uh, great computer lab with brand new desktops in it and another lab that had, was kind of a, a hodgepodge of different uh, desktop computers as well. And so, you know, it was the whole, it was a school, even though Central was a smaller school, uh, being able to, to find time to get into the lab, be able to schedule that. Eventually, we we did what a lot of schools are, are doing right now. We added the the Google Chromebooks. Um, there's always this competition between uh, the iPads and Chromebooks. I, I just I like the Chromebooks better simply because they're they are sort of mini uh, computers, but they're they're mini web browsers, so to speak. But you can do do a great deal with them. And Google has really been at the forefront of. Um, including different types of tools that will actually help in the classroom, even developing their own Google Classroom, which which we have used since uh, the uh, start of the Chromebooks. So anyhow, uh, we use technology in, in as many ways as possible. And, and a lot of people think that in the classroom that we're just, as teachers, we're just having people, having students sit in front of Chromebooks, and it really isn't the case anymore. I think we're gradually moving away from that. Uh, we use it as a tool. Uh, it is not the only means of uh, instruction. The teacher is still prevalent in the classroom, but you know, I, I always challenge myself to find different ways of using it so that you know the students understand how to use the technology and how to use it appropriately within context of the classroom. So, anyhow, um, the other day on Twitter, a friend of mine named uh, Kathy. Uh, taught with her down in North Carolina at Fike High School. I think she is currently teaching at uh, Barton College. Um, great teacher, very interested in in collaboration and talking to me, and I like talking to her, and we kind of bounce ideas uh, off of each other to, to kind of figure out what works with students nowadays. And it, it's a nice, um, nice conversation to have because as she teaches at the college level, I'm teaching uh, – high school seniors who are going to be going to college the next year. And I always want to make sure that they're incredibly well prepared. So anyhow, Kathy had posted this article 
from Psychology Today, I think it was a 2018 article by Seth J. Gillen, PhD, entitled, Does Technology in the Classroom Help or Harm Students? It's a, it's a relatively short article, but it gave me a lot to think about. Uh, it's very down to earth, you know, for psychology today, it's, it's quite readable. Um, he begins by just talking about how he used to teach college courses and he, he kind of, he goes back and he talks about a time when he was discussing a point in class and, uh, a student actually emailed him a related research study, uh, during the middle of class. Uh, in the middle of their discussion, and that is kind of how things have changed. Um, you know, I've heard the, the the challenges that that college professors face in terms of do we allow technology in the classroom? If students bring in their you know their laptops or their iPads, are these becoming a distraction? And, and that is a, a a serious concern if colleges and high schools are in charge of making sure that the students are receiving an education that's going to prepare them for their futures, we have to make sure that it's done in an environment where that is most conducive to learning. Sometimes that doesn't always happen. And so what he does throughout this article is rather interesting. He talks about some of the traditional ways of teaching in the classroom, the traditional ways of using technology, uh, but also how technology just may be affecting students and uh, our culture in this country in a negative way. So Gillahan, he, throughout this article, uh, cites several different sources. Uh, he discusses uh, one article called The Pen is Mightier Than the Keyboard. And this is an older article, but it, it does relate this idea that uh, investigations have been done that it conclude that pen and paper note taking is better for students in terms of grasping material than uh, attempting to type it. Uh, it allows them to grasp the information much better than simply typing information down. So, you know, I think there is a great transition from typing on the computer to handwriting now. I, I remember when we first started using the Chromebooks at uh, Central, some students insisted on writing, and I said, that is fine. But others said, I, you know, I want to be able to type these. I think I can type these and make a, uh, a great outline of, of the content. I don't see a lot of people doing that anymore. I actually asked them to, to write the information down simply because they're doing two different things. Uh, one, when they're typing, I think they're trying to focus on formatting, and it is so easy, so easy to become distracted when you have a Chromebook in front of you, which can have multiple tabs open to different classes, sometimes to videos, sometimes to uh, emails, and the distraction is there. And And to me, it's better to say, hey, let's uh, let's just write this information down. And the flip side of this is, you know, it's on the teachers as well. Uh, one of the, the pieces of information that he mentions in there uh, 
is from uh, Dr. Raymond J. Passy. He's an instructor at George Washington University. He was a principal, high school principal for 29 years, and he said that one of the primary technological tools that has completely been overused is the PowerPoint presentation. I just remember in North Carolina that, you know, when I first started using um, the smart board and creating PowerPoint presentations, this is far before Google came out with uh, Google Slides, but PowerPoint, you know, they were, that was something you had to have because you could type your notes one time and then use the same notes over and over and over again year after year after year after year. And it sounds great, but what happens is um, students tend to just concentrate on the slides and they copy down the content that's on the slides rather than really the content that is um, being presented. And it really has to do with you know how a teacher is presenting the information. I, I don't use PowerPoint anymore. When I do use Google Slides, I have minimal information up there. Um, I think it's more important to be engaged with students and to have discussions with them about the content as opposed to simply copying down information. I think the trend is definitely moving away from that because what they're doing is just basically con you know, copying down the information and then studying it later. And I'm not sure if they're actually learning a great deal from that. I know that there are times when, you know, that's important. Um, but, you know, for most students, it, it it's not a way of actually being engaged in class. Um, and he, he is quite adamant about that in, in there. He even admits that he used PowerPoints excessively uh, when he was teaching. So, you know, this is coming from someone who has done it before in this article, and it's actually coming from me as well. I'm someone who has used PowerPoint to the detriment of my students, and I have no problem admitting that. And I don't use it as much as I used to. If I'm going to uh, lecture uh, for more than 10 or 15 minutes, I'm putting notes on the smart board and, you know, just kind of going from there. That way I can get that student interaction that I want to have rather than just guiding through the notes that I already have pre-planned. But, you know, that's part of the, the issue that's going on in education. It's, you know, how are we using the technology? How is it engaging the students? And are they really learning something uh, based on uh, that talk technology? Um, and so that's why we have to really definitely find a balance. And he, he goes on, he talks about some other um, different studies that are quite interesting regarding the use of technology in the class, particularly when it comes to banning the use of technology. So this particular study that Gillahan mentions in Psychology Today is um, one in which the experimenters uh, went about examining how not necessarily just laptops or iPads or Chromebooks are being used, but uh, they use, they focus primarily on cell phones. Um, they found that uh, they had different groups, and some of the groups actually had cell phones that were allowed to be used for some class sessions, but for, not for others. And the, the analyses that they did demonstrated that students who used the technology in the classroom did worse on midterms and final exams than students who did not. 
And to me, that kind of, um, it makes sense. I, I always talk about like divided attention and this goes back to, I remember a story that my brother told about, um, conversation he had with, um, his daughter, Emily, when she was in high school and how, if a, if your child is at home or even if you're a student at home and you're, you know, you know that you're using your cell phone and you're always gravitating to it, uh, it's calling out to you. Um, and if you're trying to do your homework, every time that you, he, he was telling him, Jim was actually telling Emily this, that every time you pick up the cell phone to check it while you're doing your homework, it's common sense. You, you stop your work, your attention goes to the cell phone, uh, the content that's on the cell phone, whether it's a text message, an email, um, a video that's being sent to you, whatever it may be, even if it's changing the music you're changing your attention. And then when you go back to your work, you don't immediately begin working right away. You have to recalibrate your brain to start thinking about what were you doing before you checked your cell phone. And if you imagine if you did that 10 times during an hour's work of worth of homework, how much time you'd actually be wasting. Um, and in it's in the statistics are showing the students just don't learn that way. Um, some other information that they had about this study was that for some of the class sessions in which students were allowed, again, some students actually did worse on their exams, even if they hadn't checked their devices in class. That means that if uh, the classes that we're talking about here had a policy where, you know, you can check your cell phones if you want to, you're more than welcome to do that, but, you know, that's it's entirely your choice that st some students check them but those students that didn't check them were actually doing worse on the exams and so the idea what the conclusion that they're reaching here is that having more screens in use even if everyone's not using them has a detrimental effect on everyone so it's to me it's if i you know if i look at my you know uh, fourth period class. And, and I say, you know, if you want to use your cell phones, it's up to you. Um, they know how I feel about them, but you know, they're going to use them. So whatever it may be. And, you know, half the people saying, you know, I'm going to use them, but the other half like, no, I get it. Cell phones are a distraction that actually has a detrimental effect on those people that are not using their cell phone and what they're noting in the conclusion that they're, 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 um, presenting here is that, uh, and I quote, learning tends to be most effective when it involves social interaction, end quote, um, that we just don't learn just by looking at something or staring at a screen or just copying words off of a, a PowerPoint. <clears throat> we just don't learn simply by listening to someone that it's I mean, we can, but it tends to be more effective when it involves social interaction. Um, and when, when cell phones are being used, if people's attention are distracted or people's attention is distracted by, you know, on their cell phones. And if you have half the classes looking at them and half isn't, then, you know, we have to wonder about the effects on that. Um, and one of the things that they said, and I'm just going to read what they said here. It's kind of an interesting, and it, to me, that's what spoke... Uh, volumes uh, at the end of this article uh, says the use of electronic devices quote 
changed the social character of the class from an occasion for joint attention to more like a group of individuals in a waiting room occasionally looking up. A group of students sitting there and they're just, it's as if total strangers sitting in a doctor's waiting room, not interacting, not looking around. Some people may be on their phones, some people may be doing something else, but there's no social interaction. And that's what the classroom is. And to me, that's not a learning environment. And so I think, you know, one of the things that that I'm trying to explore here is, you know, how much are, how much is technology really affecting us uh, in a positive or negative way? In the classroom, it's definitely, it has to be a tool. It's not the be all and end all. Um, I do a lot of great things. My students do wonderful things with technology. I'm not bashing technology whatsoever, but there's they're a means to an end. Uh, they're a tool used for creativity, but there are also other ways of being create creative and also ways of producing things. Um, for example, right now, uh, this podcast or other podcasts, many people think these are an educational tool because it's a way of sharing information having discussions, but here I am talking on here myself, and I'm not really interacting with anyone. And so, you know, I have to ask myself, how much are people actually getting from this? I don't know, Um, but I am creating something. And so that's something that's going to come up in the next part of this uh, two-parter podcast is, you know, technology is a tool, but it isn't the be-all and end-all, and it, it is affecting us. And so, you know, if, if you're a student who is listening, um, you know, think about how much technology is keeping you from interacting with people around you, whether it's on a trip to a basketball game or it's in the lunchroom or it's in the hallways or in the restroom or even in the classroom. Like, do you think about that? Like what's on your phone, even though you know you shouldn't be checking that? And is that preventing you from interacting with your peers um, and it's the same thing with adults as well. How much, how much interaction do we do on a regular basis in our own little classrooms, um, whether it be work, um, community organizations, how many times do we use, uh, cell phones when we're out, uh, and we're not using social interaction, uh, to better understand people or to learn more about the world around us. And it is something to think about. And this article was really interesting. So um, definitely want to build on this in my next uh, podcast, the part two uh, of this one. And hopefully uh, you will uh, tune in for that one. So that wraps up this um, podcast for today. This was a part one of a two-part series entitled Program to Shut Down and Shut Out. Um talk to you today about the use of technology in the classroom and a little bit of my personal history involving that and and what I see as a a 30-year veteran of the classroom and how you know times are changing and I don't think that we can always just you know put technology in the classroom and expect it to work because it doesn't always it doesn't always happen I think there's more to learning than just simply uh, typing on an iPod or iPad excuse me or uh, a Chromebook, um, or looking at PowerPoint. Um, there's so many different ways that you can be creative and do 
fascinating things with technology, and we'll try to explore a little bit of that uh, on a future podcast. Um, want to kind of give some recognition uh, as we kind of close out today. Um, I'm on iTunes now, so which is fantastic. I'm very happy about that. But so you can still find this podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Breaker Radio, and Radio Public. Uh, I want to recognize uh, the artist's A Simple Plan with their song Astronaut. You can hear that on the album entitled Get Your Heart On. I also want to recognize uh, Seth Gillahan, a PhD. Um, 2018 article, Does Technology in the Classroom Help or Harm Students in Psychology Today? I also want to thank the readers of Time and Space and also to the listeners of What's Up, Buddy. It's nice to see that people are actually listening to the podcast and getting some nice professional feedback as well. Uh, again, if you want to contact me, you can always contact me at podcast.whatsupbuddy at gmail. Uh, you can also visit my website, which is www.ajbucon.com, where you'll find uh, an excerpt from my book, uh, My Corner of the World, which is available on Amazon. Uh, be thinking about technology, you know, what's happening in our, in our world. Um, are we really connecting with one another, or are we, is it shutting us down and, and shutting us out from one another? If you hear my voice, come pick me up, are you out there? Cause you're all I've got, and tonight I feel like an astronaut Sending SOS from this tiny box in my life